Hey, Flower Tribe. Hey, Flower Tribe. Hey, Flower Tribe. Welcome to our One Son, Three Flowers podcast, Stories of Our Mothers, a wellness and self-care podcast designated to uplifting the voices of women of color. Author, self-love activist, educator, mother, and poet, Courtney Brookins will help you bloom into your best self and encourage you to make self-care part of your daily practice. Join the tribe as we embark on a journey of healing, mothering, womanhood, and collectivism through the ancestral practice of storytelling. Whether you're looking for an infinity space, sisterhood, or mommy tribe, you're in the right place. Here's your host, educator, mother, and self-care enthusiast, Courtney Brookins. Happy 2021. Are you looking for a space to connect with other women? Are you trying to deepen your self-care practice? Are you a busy, high-achieving Black girl or maybe just someone, a woman looking for a space to deepen her wellness journey? Well, if you are, no need to look any further. Our company, One Sun, Three Flowers, is now offering yoga classes for children 5 through 18 and women. Women, if you're wanting to participate in our virtual yoga classes, you can click the link in our description or you can visit bit.ly slash flower tribe. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash flower tribe. And to sign your daughter up or a girl in your community, you can visit bit.ly slash blooming girls three. That's the number three. B-I-T dot L-Y slash B-L-O-O-M-I-N-G. Three. All right. Hello and welcome to another episode of the One Sun, Three Flowers podcast, Stories of Our Mothers. Today I have joining me not one, but several very special guests. So um, I have with me Leandria Ratomsky, Crystal, Caroline, and Donisha. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hello. I am so grateful to have each one of you. I know we were chatting about that a little bit before we started our recording, but um, it was really amazing to be able to have so many different women from so many different backgrounds be able to come in and bring their perspectives into the podcast. So thank you all for your time and thank you all being open to having this conversation. Yeah, of course. Happy to be here. Yes, thank you for having us. You are welcome. So before we get into the conversation, which I brought you on all on here to talk about, Bridgerton, um, I wanted to take a little second just so everyone could kind of get an idea of who you all are. So if you don't mind, could you tell us briefly a little bit about yourself and your background? Who should start? Yeah, uh, I was going to say, do you want to go like an order of the videos? Yeah. Just, I know we have some organization people on here. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know. We're probably in different orders on each other's screen. So I'm like, I don't know. Yeah. So, Courtney, you call us out. Okay. Let, the first person on my video is Caroline. So let's start there. Hey. Um, yeah, my name is Caroline Yedema. I'm a messaging, positioning, and launch strategist. So I help online business owners, course creators, coaches, and consultants, and service-based providers um, structure amazing offers and sell them with ease online. And um, yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Thank you. Next, Anisha. Oh, so my name is Anisha Moss. Um, I 
professionally, well, one side of my professional uh, life is career services and workforce development. Um, and then I also do um, some lifestyle entrepreneurship um, and vlogging. Um, I am co-host to two podcasts. One podcast with my boyfriend called If It Isn't Love podcast, and I, which currently um, airs every Wednesday. And I'm also co-host of Woken Ratchet podcast, which is currently on hiatus. Um, and we are planning to come back this April. Nice. Thank you. Leandria? Hi, everyone. My name is Leandria Rotomsky. I'm actually um, a self-published children's book author, and then I'm also a lifestyle um, blogger, and I have a blog called The Mommy Monologue. I think that's how we connected online is through Facebook. So you all can find me online at The Mommy Monologue. And if you have any kiddos, you can get my children's book called Yuri the Fury, which is actually um, written after or about my two-year-old son. So yeah, that's me. Nice. Very nice. And last but certainly not least, Crystal. Hello, my name is Crystal Clairvaux. Um, I am an attorney and um, I have my own practice. My husband, he works with me and he's the person, he's like the life and breath of the of the firm because I can't keep up with nothing, but he's great at that. Um, I'm, also a I'm also an adjunct professor at a college here in California. Um, everything's online now, but I, I'm, I teach off the sociology, <clears throat> excuse me, the sociology department, mostly like the do not delinquency criminology stuff and everything like that. So, um, I am married. I do have a little one. She'll be two next month. So, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you all for sharing. And so now let's go ahead and jump into um, some questioning about Bridgerton. So I'm wondering, what were you all's initial reactions to the series? And were there any things that anything that you immediately loved or disliked about it? Because I've seen people saying like some people are like, oh, I can't even get into the series. It's boring. I don't know what people are, why people are so deeply invested. And then I see other people like, oh, my gosh, one episode and I was hooked. I couldn't stop watching. <laughs> so where were you guys? Where did you all fall? Um, what were your initial reactions? So well, go ahead. Well, I'm not a period piece type person. So initially, like when I saw like the little trailer on Netflix, I was like, eh, these little period pieces with this, these accents and these, you know, the way that they talk, you know, you kind of can kind of throw you off a bit. You might have to pay a little extra attention, but Julie Andrews being the narrator kind of got me a little hooked once I started watching that. After like the first episode, and I'm hearing Julie Andrews talking and she, I just love, I love her a little bit. So and it kind of goes back to that Princess Diaries movie back in the day. So for me, it was like, you know what? Let me just try. And I realized this was one of um, Shonda's, you know, her, her show. So I'm like, you know what? Let me go ahead and try. But initially I was like, mm, these little period pieces, I can't. But once I, after the first episode, I watched the second one, I was like, you know what, this, this is going to be it. This is going to be it right here. So, so yeah, I, I just couldn't get with the accents and the, you know, all of that at first, but it's, it, it, it grew on me after like the first episode. And I That's love so funny because I'm, 
I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was going to say I'm a sucker for a good accent. So that's what drew me in <laughs> was um, out just watching and hearing Julie Andrews, like you said, narrating and the accent. I was like, hmm, I'm going to give this a try. And then after the first episode, I was like, okay, I'm going to like this. And before I had even known, um, I didn't know that it was written by Chandra. Um, after watching the first episode, I guess I was under a rock. I hadn't heard about uh, Bridgerton. And then I got on Facebook after I watched the first episode and I saw so much dialogue about it. And I, that's where I found out it was written by Chandra. And I was like, oh, of course, this makes sense. That's why I love it so much because she can do no wrong, in my opinion. Yeah, I see. And I'm like the opposite of Crystal. I really like period pieces. I love, you know, I love like Game of Thrones, like all of that. I I love things like that. Um, and especially any kind of show that has any bit of whimsy to it. And I think that a lot of us go into like watching a lot of these shows, especially when they're hyped up on social media with some sort of bias, either for or against. And I think depending on the type of person you are, if you're the if you're a very uh, anti whatever popularist person, I think a lot of people go in went into it with that mindset, like everyone likes it, so it must be trash. Or <laughs> oh my god, it's so popular, so I'm gonna force myself to like it. So I feel like that's sometimes it hinders us in critiquing all types of artwork because we go into these things with whatever bias based on what people have been sharing about it already. Um, I was always planning to watch it. I just hadn't reached it on my watch list, but it had gotten so hyped up in the social, in social media. That I was like, let me watch it before someone, I read something that someone says that spoils it for me. Um, I do believe, I, I'm not in the Shonda can do no wrong lane, but I am in the, I like sometimes the realism juxtaposed against the ridiculousness of her writing, which isn't everything. And Scandal, Grey's Anatomy, which I love. Sometimes it's like so heartfelt and, but then it's so ridiculous. And even in real life scenarios that I love it. And I felt like Bridgerton definitely flowed um, into that same thing where as I was watching, I was like, yeah, this is very Shonda. Um, this is very Shonda. And I, I enjoyed it. I'm not, uh, I loved it. It was good. I will watch season two. Like I did not hate it. It was definitely, but I definitely had, you know, my moments where I was cringing or I was just like, okay, now come on. <laughs> and we are certainly going to get into those. <laughs> <laughs> Caroline, what were your uh, initial reactions to Bridgerton? Well, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it culturally because my background is I'm English, even though I live in the States. And, um, you know, I love anything Dame Julie Andrews does from the Sound of Music to Mary Poppins, right? Princess Diaries, but she's a, she's, a, she's a British icon. So I like anything that she does. So it was fun that she was narrating it. It wasn't really the Shonda aspect that got me because I didn't even know that she was the one that did the remix on the book for the series. Um, I just get very nostalgic when I um, watch those things. And even I had to watch it twice or actually um, go Google and get a little commentary in the beginning to understand who their characters were. And then when I had that anchoring, then it became easier to follow. Because in the beginning, you're, you know, you've got an assault in your senses, right? So you're not quite sure 
who's that? Are they living together? Are they two families? Is it one house? Everything kind mm -hmm. of looks the same. But what I really enjoyed is that the different references, right? Um, I could absolutely identify, especially growing up um, and, you know, being born and bred in England, all of those places that they were talking about are still there. You know, Grosvenor Square is Mayfair, Regent's Park, you know, um, the, the whole rise of... Um, um, so Fortnum and Mason around the corner. So I understood all those references and a lot of the history that we learned in school. Even like the Hastings and where he was from, there was a lot of references in the whole series that might be lost on people that didn't understand the context um, or, or certain um, references um, that other people could identify with. So that was that was fun for me. I enjoyed um, I enjoyed the fictional part of it. I enjoyed um, the foundations in and the culture of that time. Um, and then I really enjoyed the costumes and the buildings, right? So the architecture and all that yeah. stuff. That's what that's what I really enjoy seeing. And that you know how what were we two hundred? So that was the Georgian times, right? When they had Mad King George. Um, two or three hundred years later those places are still there we like walk past them all the time when we're in London and we don't really appreciate it because we see it all the time so that was fun yeah. for me to see all that kind of stuff and then to see how everybody around the world um, enjoyed different aspects of it and it meant something to different cultures around the world so that was fun thank you so I want to move into some of the questions or the comments that we had one-on-one when I was trying to select who I was going to have on this podcast. Mm -hmm. And the first person I'm going to jump in with is Danisha because she was like, I didn't, and she just said it now, so I'm not like saying anything she didn't say publicly as well. She didn't love it, but she didn't hate it. And one of the things she wanted to critique was the cast. So I wondered if you would mind sharing what were your uh, critiques of the cast and um, your, your thoughts as, as regard to the, in regards to the characters that were chosen. Mm -hmm. So I want to preface this by, I didn't realize until Caroline said that it was a book prior to um, Shonda reimagining um, this series, which makes sense, right? And so I am also one of those people who I Gen generally prefer the book version of whatever over mm -hmm. the movie. And I tend to be fairly cynical in that the movie or the television version of a book usually ruins it. And I, if I know it's a book, I'd rather just read the book and leave it there. Um, but then if I've already seen the show, going to the book sometimes is, is a little bit more difficult. So I want to preface it with that. So, so saying, I don't know, based on the book, what the intention was in the casting. I think that also um, kind of that conversation about this, the social media aspect of, you know, yes, the period piece. So it's something that we're typically used to seeing the entire cast being white and that's it. And if there are black characters, they're always in subservient roles and then that's how it works. So we're supposed to, in my mind, I think I came into it, right? even if I came into it uh, being misguided that there it was like a black period piece or some somehow an interracial uh, period piece. Um, 
And so I think I had an expectation, especially seeing the leading man character, seeing the Duke of Hastings, like, okay, we got a Duke. And then the queen is black. So I was like, okay, I can get into this show. And the more I saw the character development and like how everything was centered, aside from the Duke, right? Um, and the queen, every other like large family, at least in season one, right? There are gonna be more seasons. All of the families that were centered were white the main character and look people can be in love with who they want to be in love with but that like the white woman and the black guy I was like okay you know I would like to see more things even in interracial where it's the black woman and the white guy like if we're going to do that and so and I just think that all the families everyone clearly had their own issues right the the Bridgertons the Feathertons they, they all had their their level of scandal but it was just like every all the black characters had in my mind, I I could trace that back to some kind of like stereotypical role. Duke of Hastings had daddy issues, you know, mm-hmm. like, okay, the you know, now he's out here lying to the, he's a player. So it was just like, I kept like pushing it to like modern day, like themes that black characters have to have. The, his friend who was a boxer, like, you know, like it's, I kept thinking like, you know, he gotta be a sports guy. He's not gonna be an intellectual type guy. And, and you know, the, the girl who came to live, who kind of outshined all of her, her, you know, homely cousins was a black girl. But then of course she was pregnant. Now she's trying to scam. The, it was just like, I was trying so hard to not be that person <laughs> while I was watching like, mm-hmm. but I could not help it because I was just like, there, it, it always, there's always this idea sometimes that I see, and maybe because there's not enough that's counter to that, where there is just a character, a or black characters that are just quote unquote everyone had some like I said everyone had some sort of scandal but it was very stereotypical I think from what I saw from some of the black characters and yeah like they all had like black suitors and people didn't like people didn't think anything of it right like when it wasn't like oh what is he doing here no one gave off that vibe so there was no like overt racism which is that's pleasant in this you know, and and that's kind of sometimes where we are. We're like, the overt, overt racism wasn't there. So I appreciate that aspect of it. Um, I like that they made mention to like kind of how that came about. Like when the king fell in love with the queen, it kind of made everybody feel like, all right, well, we can do this. We can have jungle fever. It's okay. It's not a problem. And people can, not only that, but now all types of people can aspire to whatever levels of success in our society and color is not at least at this point you know a an issue but then it kind of seems like maybe if everyone finds out how crazy the king is then maybe some of that can easily be pulled away i'm not sure so i just kind of i I feel like maybe there's space for that to grow as the the series continues but that was just some of my initial thought of like you know, I would have liked like the fe- if the Feathertons had just been a black family, or like largely black family, or like a black mom. I think even that would have made me feel a little different. But very interesting insight and, and perspective. Does anybody have any thoughts about what Dunisha said um, as it relates to the characters? Anybody see it the same or differently? I I did. I was that was probably one of the things that kind of kept. Uh, I kept playing in the back of my mind, like, 
we're not really finding out a whole lot about the Duke. Like, where is his where is his family? And then as the time went on, we realized his mother died in childbirth. His daddy was trifling and ended up dying, you know. But, you know, it was kind of like, where are the Black characters? You know, we got that one. We got the Duke of Hastings and his aunt. We can call her his aunt. Yes. Um, and then we have the the Black cousin coming from out of town. It's like, you know, is George Black or is George White? Turns out George is white, you know, and it's, it's like, um, where are the rest of these Black characters? Um, I definitely was happy that it wasn't any overt racism where people were turning those up at the Black people at the party that they were, you know, doing their, getting their little jungle fever on here and there. But um, it was... I, I was wondering, like, are we going to get some black families up in here? Because the Bridgertons, you know, I guess we get it, we understand, but it's like it got to be a, a black family or two in this place that they're just as fly, and you know, what I'm saying who are just who have that same type of uh, attraction as everyone else seemed to be attracted to the Bridgertons, you know. So that was definitely something in the back of my mind throughout the show. I was like, I'm hoping we get some more black people in here. So, but they said it's gonna be a lot more season. So I'm hoping that that means we're gonna start seeing more people. Now, if we get in season three or four, and I'm not seeing it, I'm, I'm gonna feel some type of way. Thank you, Crystal. Something else that um, in in that same um, line of thinking that I thought was interesting um, conversations that I've had with. Um, friends outside of this podcast is not only were there a limited amount of um, black characters, but there was certainly an issue with colorism and texturism as we look through the film. There wasn't a big, um, there wasn't very much diversity in skin color. And so um, I found, I personally found that interesting. The Duke's aunt um, did have a little bit more mel melanin, but I, I found that to be somewhat problematic that we didn't have more diversity when black black has so many different shades. Why did we continue to fuel this mindset of like light is better? I think we could Shonda could have been a little bit more intentional um, in her character choice. But uh, I'm wondering if anybody else noticed that as well, or if that was just an observation I happened to have made. Well. So here's my thought on it. It's going to be probably different from everybody else's here, right? So understand a lot of people don't watch period pieces because traditionally there's no black people in it, right? Because historically there, there, there isn't. Jane, Jane Eyre, all of those times, right? If we're talking about high society and people going to um, being presented at court, right? There was limited when you understand. Um, how that came to be in the UK at that particular time and what was going on, right? So it's really interesting if you look at the history, that just before that time, a lot of um, people that had been left in the UK from the slave trade, right? So when they, because you know where the slave trade started, right, for the triangle, when they would drop back to the UK, there would be black slaves who were maybe the cook or the, you know, the, um, the captain's like hand or whatever, they would be dropped back to be dropped back in the um, back to the ports like Bristol, Manchester, all those places, right? So they started to have this big issue of a growing black population who were not slaves in London and in all the major ports. Okay, 
So in resolve, and, and then they re, repatriated those people back to Sierra Leone, and that's how you get Freetown, right? So there's a lot of history around that. So that's why a lot of times when you see these period pieces, and I understand a lot of people don't watch it because it's not representative of black people. Cool. Now, the fact that um, this is a period piece, we either have to be in fictional mode or reality mode when we watch it. So as soon as I watched it, I went into fictional mode because I already knew the red elephant in the room, 1813, was a peak of the slave trade and there were been boats going over to Africa, right, to, um, to pilfer the, the, the continent, right? So I took that right out of my mind because I knew Shonda was being tongue in cheek and saying, this is what it should have been if it could have been, <laughs> right? And so that's what was in my head. Now, I enjoyed that, right? I enjoyed seeing the equality. Um, and even though there was colorism in there, remember, I'm not allowed to think that anymore because that wasn't an issue. If we could ever go back to a time when that wasn't an issue, where we were seen as equals, which there was a time, right? But then they spoiled it on episode four when Lady Danbury had that conversation mm -hmm. and said, oh, well, you know, this is making waves for people like us from two different worlds. And I was like, oh man, you've got to have it either one way or the other. Now you've got to spot it because I can't be in that false reality anymore, right? right. And then she didn't say it again. So I'm still trying to switch my mind back because that whole thing that we're watching it is, there's history on there, but I'm in fictional land. I'm in Never Never Land, right? So when I'm seeing the handmaidens are all dark, deep melanin, and then the other people are light skin or they're mixed race, I'm saying, but remember, we take it out of that context. We can't, we erase that mindset, right? Erase, let's pretend, right? So it's hard to reconcile that because we have to understand, is, is she talking, is she talking about how it could be? Or are we supposed to be looking at it and understanding in terms of what really did happen and how it, it, it is? Do you see what I mean? So I was a little bit confused about that. Um, and so it had me on this kind of roller coaster of emotions. I don't know. I didn't know really know how to take it. I was like, mm. before episode three, I was really enjoying it. And yeah. I was like, oh, it doesn't really matter because, and then they said that. And I was like to my husband, see, now they went and messed it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be wrestling with all these social conscious issues when I just want to watch it and um, not be offended or not be hurt or not be angry about certain things that I knew were going on at that time, you know. So yeah, that's that's my that's my take on it. I don't know how you guys um, perceived it. Is it more reality for you, or were you looking at it in context of what we already know? Yeah, you know what? That I agree with you. And um, a great way for us to, um, let's answer that question. Um, how did you all perceive it? Did you analyze it from the context of reality or was it more fantasy as Caroline suggested? Definitely fantasy. It was solely fantasy for me. Definitely solely fantasy. fantasy. It wasn't solely yeah. fantasy. I feel like you can't, I don't think it's solely fantasy. I can't make it only fantasy, but largely fantasy. But like I said in the beginning, that's how I take a lot of Shonda's writing, even if it's Grey's Anatomy, right? Hospitals are real. Doctors are real. But she, I have, it, since in the last few months, I've, I've decided to take on the task of rewatching Grey's Anatomy from season one, episode one. And I didn't even, re I forgot, like in season nine, there was an episode that was like a musical when Callie got into a car accident. Like not real, 
but so like it's real ideas and everything but also very fantasized so I definitely think I went in with the fantasy mode but to Caroline's point like I get what you're saying like when Lady Danbury said it's just like dang it, it she definitely pulled you more out of the fantasy mode and made you start to talk think about the questionings of the times but my idea is if if we're gonna go fantasy go full fantasy so don't make most of the handmaids dark skin and then everyone who's in higher society, even if they're black, they're lighter skin, you know, uh, black women, even though you may have a few, there were a few darker skin black women, but they had no lines, right? So if you're going to go fantasy and make me not, and I'm supposed to not think about color, then I want to have main characters that are black women that look more like me, that are dark skin women, because I think there all there also is a point in in television and in film where the idea of a lighter skinned black woman is for me sometimes synonymous with a white woman. So when they're saying like we have black characters and you have a lighter skin, it's not that they are white women, but it's like you're giving something to me that is supposed to be acceptable, something that's palatable, but it's still disconnecting to a, a whole part of our our culture have more variety if it's supposed to be that it, it makes me think of uh, the uh rogers and hammerstein cinderella with brandy where brandy cinderella mm-hmm. like that where every, there was no rhyme or reason to characters people within families and no one questioned why brandy was white her mom was uh you know uh white or well, she was black her mom was white why the prince was uh, Chinese with a white dad and a black mom. Like no one questioned how the genetics worked in that. So if it's gonna be fantasy, let it be fantasy. Don't say like, oh, it's fantasy, but everything is lined up where it's like, mm, but really there's still some kind of hierarchy and, and there is colorism that's happening. But again, it's one season, so maybe. I, I think that's a really good point. Like we're still in the first season. Right. So we, yeah, so we have to give it time because that was the thing that I was just going to say. It's like, we honestly, like we, we got to see a little bit about the Duke. I feel like there could have been more character development with him. And I feel like in season two, we're going to see a lot more of his family and his story. So I do feel like we're going to see a lot more African-American people and they'll be different, um, you know, skin tones you know you'll have someone from every hue if you will of african-american but i do think we should you know give it a little time that's just me i honestly was just watching it for fantasy i love the fact that the queen was black i was happy the fact that the duke was black and his godmother slash auntie was black i was satisfied with that i was like hey three black people let's watch it seems good I want to watch it if it was all white because I like I like I like the I like those types of shows like you know like Downton Abbey like I like stuff like that so one of my favorite shows is Great British Baker like I love I like British culture so I would have watched it anyway but it's like if you're gonna give me what I want then give me what I want don't play with me she's teasing us that's what she's doing yeah I think that's why so many see um there was controversy on the other side that you know she was um, tarnishing period pieces by having um, black people on it, right? Of course. So because there's purists, there's pu- yeah. period purists, right? That you don't do that. So on one side she was, but here's the thing. Um, I mean the book is there, but I think it just brought some extra. I mean 
the eye candy on there and all that kind of stuff, people actually, black people wanted to watch it because it was more interesting to them, right? So everyone was yes. watching it over yeah. Christmas and the new year and it was hitting everyone, right? So <laughs> all cultures were watching it for different reasons. And so yes. I just think that Shonda is so, um, you know, she's so smart like that, right? To be able to um, take a classic like that, even though it's not, you know, a true English classic, but written in that time in the ilk and caliber of, you know, um, Jane Eyre and all those kind of books, Downtown um, Abbey. And then she was able to kind of scandalize it, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice play on words. <laughs> and so that it, 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 it served everybody. We all enjoyed it because, you know, sometimes I like to see a little bit of melanin energy in there with the Duke. And it might not have appealed to everybody if he looked like, I don't know, just see what I mean? Like everybody yeah. um, looked the same. Yeah, I'm very appreciative um, of him and his yeah, character. So, and and even like Robert yeah. and all the other people. So it kind of made it interesting. I mean, I had um, somebody um, that my friends know, because I don't live there, that was saying, oh, you know, we had one, you know, one of our friends in that. And I actually had another friend that was an extra, right? So, yeah, so. I was kind of like, I wasn't even just watching the character. I was looking, you know, to the extras, the cast and stuff, just spotting things, even when they were dancing and the mannerisms of the people, black people, when they were dancing, even with the dances that they were doing. So, um, yeah, I, I see it on, I, I heard it, the different viewpoints on all different. So I don't really know how to, I didn't know how to compartmentalize it, I guess because I didn't know what she was trying to do, right? So I didn't know where to put it in my head, but I think that you're really right. Um, now that you're saying that, I can see your point of view that if you're gonna go black, go all black, right? Go black. But I'm then you've got to take out that line where it's an issue. So now that's where she's- Put it, Shonda! Caroline yeah. wants that deleted, okay? I'm glad you said that. I really never thought about it until you said it. I'm like, that was it. That was the moment where I'm like, dang yeah I was just like look at people just being people and then when she mm -hmm. said it I'm like and it makes you hyper aware of all those differences in the rest of the episodes yeah but maybe she did it on purpose because I don't think anything is ever haphazard with her right so <laughs> right there must be a reason yeah could have been intentional so now switching from I know we spent a lot of time talking about the characters and how we see them and the racial uh, undertones that are in there let's talk about uh, for a moment about feminism so I'm wondering uh, how you all saw the roles of the women in the story um, we know um, that this as we've already pointed out has a historical context but just wanting you to maybe juxtapose it to the modern day woman so I'm wondering if we can spend a little time talking about um, feminism and the expectations of the women within the show and how we can juxtapose that to um, modern day times. Are women still expected to have some of these same type of roles and behaviors? Are things very much different or the same? Is it a little bit of both? And also how does race impact um, the expectation of women in this historical context as well as right now? I know it's a loaded wow. question, so if you all need to I will say though that when it comes to the roles of women, um it's not it's not the same 
I was in, in my mind is not the same culturally because I mean, the cultures change as the times change, but there is something, the roles, the roles themselves, the roles just change a little bit as the time changes. Women are still expected to be a certain way. Uh, women are still expected to act a certain way. You know, if they want to be a wife, if they want to be a mother, they have to be able to do certain things. There's an ex- there's, there are still expectations of women who want to be married. Um, you know, a woman wants to be married, she shouldn't act this way. She shouldn't talk this way. She shouldn't dress this way. She shouldn't think this way. And it's the same thing I noticed, you know, like when, um, when she came out, when Daphne came out and how she looked, you know, and how she curtsied and things versus like the Featherton girls when they were a little clumsier coming out, you know, and even when the cousin came and how, you know, they looked at her and how she was expected to be and how, you know, the, the shame that kind of cloud over her when they found out she was pregnant. That's very similar to what happens now. You know, it's very, it is, it, it's, it's, it's acceptable in some circles, but generally speaking, socially speaking, when a woman is pregnant and unmarried, she's definitely looked at completely different from a woman who's married, who's married with child, mm-hmm. not who's with child and not married, you know? And so it's, it's definitely, um, this is definitely to me, it's, it's similar very similar those ideas are still there the way in which you court people is different in at least in the united states anyway but the attitude toward women's roles or what they're supposed to do what they're supposed to think if they want to be married they want to be a wife is completely um completely the same like to me i i viewed it i viewed it very much the same i don't think color play too much of it of a role on the show at least not right now because I think if any girl had been pregnant they would have been treating her the same way trying to hide her pregnancy and try to ship her off to whatever man would take her and just be like okay you good so that's that's kind of how I um looked at it I mean I think definitely we don't have as many overt uh uh we don't have as much overt sexual like uh, or women where uh, a space where women don't have autonomy over who they are like today right like we can i can be single forever if i wanted to be i don't have to be married i could have success on my own i don't need a man to go and speak for me um and and yes clearly we are in a space where sometimes uh we live in a world where career wise women typically make less more money than a man. There are spaces where women aren't taken as seriously. We have to work harder in those instances, but it's not like totally frowned upon. I can go walk somewhere with a a man that is not related to me and it's not gonna be a scandal. And I could openly and tell people I had sex with him and what are people gonna say about it, you know, because, so it's not that. And so I think that sometimes some of those instances in the show where it was like, you can't walk in the garden along with him or people gonna think, you know, whatever. I always, I also th- thought it was just hilarious when you think of a, a modesty culture where these women literally had everything but areola showing, boobs, pr- you know, squinched together and pressed up to their necks in these dresses, but then were like 
don't look at me and god forbid i be caught alone but also the rack guys so i just thought that that was always hilarious i'm like modest girl you're about to, you're just showing everything um i thought that, that was interesting but just kind of the level of control like with with daphne's brother like with anthony when he was like shooing away all her suitors and got and about to marry her off to burbrook to someone who was just like she's like you know, I can match like looking at my brother like, are you kidding me? I have zero interest in this guy who could have been my father. You know, like, you know, when she, when they were at the ball and he was like, ever since I was a schoolboy, she's like, yeah. And I was like, five, and you were like, you've been interested in me? Like, sir, that's weird. Um, and so I, I thought that it was just crazy the level of, or the lack of control that women had over, you know, what they got to do and who they got, to be and I loved the instances where there was you know the queen who was someone who was kind of like I'm in control but she also had to still have she had to keep her husband the king locked away in order to be able to exert that kind of control because maybe if everyone you know there was rumors but if people had known for real for real for real like he is not with it then she wouldn't have been able to really exert her power and you know my favorite was when um when violet daphne's mom when it, you know there was all that scandal with lord uh burbrook and he was like no she's gonna marry me even though he had gotten beaten up and all of that and she was like hold on let me handle this and she's like let me you know find out the tea put it out there and now he's all out of my daughter's face and i just I was like, yes, you know, because it boiled down to you got a problem, just let the, let a woman handle it. Y'all go. She pretty much told her son, "You sit down. You let mama handle this." And so I I appreciated that, and I'm like, I stand a woman who is just like, get out of my way. So mm -hmm. I thought it was interesting. I know we talked about Lady Bridgerton being um, very. I think the word we used was more gracious in comparison to the Featherton girls. But personally for me, I felt that she was very verbal. And what I felt as um, a Black woman, because I'm very verbal as well, <laughs> and, I, and I've received some criticisms for that, you know, because I think that, um, I think it is less socially acceptable. I think that we have sometimes have some negative um, connections between black women being loud, outspoken, um, too independent. And so sometimes that forces some of us to wanna be more silent. And I felt when I watched Lady Bridgerton, she was right on that line for me. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm like, if she had, make her a few shades darker, make her a black woman. <laughs> and everybody's like, oh, she, you know, she lacks grace is what I, again, I was like, Donisha, in my own head, just imagining, like, let me stand up and say that. And everyone's like, Courtney, yeah. shh. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> don't say that. Yeah. Stop being so vocal. That's what, that's what it, it evoked for me. But that was Marina. That was like Marina Thompson was like that version of her. Marina was kind of like, no, I don't want to do this. And being very defiant until she got stuck between a rock and a hard place. And she was like, oh, maybe my, you know, maybe my man is not really loving me and I got a baby coming out. And so in society, I got to figure out what I'm going to do. Who's going to take care of me? But I felt like she was that. She was, you know, she had her, she definitely had her slick remarks and was very like, I I love that. I love that a, a lot of, a lot of the women, even though they were acquiescing to 
the role that they had in society had their ways of fighting against it and like my favorite in that is Eloise who is kind of just like had convinced her I mean even before the show started technically convinced her mom to not let her have to come out that she's like no I need another year and she got to do and she's still trying to figure out like how do I avoid all of this like this I don't want to do that I want to go to school um I yeah, wanna, I I'm, not, I'm not interested so I loved her for that yeah Crystal you said she was a favorite for you yeah, and I think it was because of the defiance that she consistently showed throughout the, you know, throughout the show, there's like the defiance of what society, what that society, what that era brings. You know, you have to dress a certain way. You know, like like Danish say, you have you have to be a hundred like modest in the most strictest way possible, even beyond what is possible in order to to be seen as, you know, wife material, you know. Um, even, you know what, and it just made me think of the the girl, the, the opera singer. I can't think of her name to save my life uh, right now. Russo, that, uh, last name? Sienna? Something like something like that, the one that, um, that the brother was was messing mm-hmm. with um, and how she was she was frowned upon like she was frowned upon and i mean even though he didn't want her to be with anybody else he wasn't gonna marry her like he was he messed around with her consistently all the time but he still didn't see her as somebody that he wanted to marry wanted to make his wife and that's where i was talking about i was talking about the roles and expectations mm-hmm. he was she was good enough to screw but not good enough to marry she was good enough to be somebody that he can take home he sees her at the little brothels the little gentlemen's club they would have but not good enough to say this gonna be my wife mm-hmm. you know and and that was that was kind of like seeing the those women outside of the the traditional roles of like how Daphne was even you know Marina was still playing the role of trying to be somebody's wife even though you know she was in love with her dude it, it still like those roles were those particular characters were characters that kind of stood out to me because they were definitely outside of what was acceptable outside of what was what they saw was wife material and Eloise was just like I'm not interested she more so trying to get into her own little thing but mm-hmm. you know this this thinking about those that's what I was, what I was um, thinking about women and how they you know are even you know we think back on college days you know guys that have sex with a girl but they don't want them to be his girlfriend oh but he can be with her you know, privately, you know, and God forbid another dude shows interest in her in public. Oh my God. You know, it's just, it, those things still exist today. You made me laugh. You can't be seen it in front of does. New Live. <laughs> I love that you brought up those points because I think, I think it brings us uh, right into one of Leandria's, which was that she felt that Lady Richardson picked the wrong guy. She oh, felt yeah. that, um, um he should have been with the prince. Tell us. Let me not say it before. Tell us your perspective. Okay. So let me just, I'm just going to be honest with y'all. The Duke is fine. He's, <laughs> he was a looker. Very fine. But that was not supposed to be her husband. 
And I'm going to just tell you how I see it. She had so much in common with the prince. He adored her. He was willing to change his life. He wanted to live in London with her, be close to her family, start a family of their own. It was like the stars aligned, not even like the fact that he was a prince. I mean, she could have been a princess. I would much rather be a princess than a duchess, but that's just me. Um, right. I'm just being honest. But everything was perfect, and she still went for the Duke, the guy who did not want to be with her. This man chose death over marrying this woman, told her several times that he did not want to marry her, and then lied to her and told her that he could not have children when he in fact could he just didn't want to and it was just the biggest like it just irritated me so much because we see this happen in society even to this day women do not listen to men they will run and chase after a man a man will tell them where they stand and they will still think I can change him this can be my fairy tale and at the end of the day even though season one ended with them having a child I'm not convinced that this is going to be a happy marriage I'm not convinced that this is what the Duke wants. And I'm even more convinced that season two is going to be more drama. He's going to have resentment. And I just feel like, why can't we just, why do women feel like they got to always change a man? Like, why do we always have to be like, oh, I can make him love me. Or I can make him love. Like, he, he got daddy issues. He don't want kids. He don't oh. want to get married. Girl, leave. That's not for you. Yes. Girl, leave. <laughs> Yes. yes. Like stitch it on the pillow. That's a good one, girl. Please. No, yes. I mean he's fine. I know he's fine, yeah. but that it, you gotta be more than fine. And they had chemistry, and we also probably need to talk about how more than chemistry needs to be an element when we're deciding partnership and suddenly marriage. You know what you get when you chemistry exactly. things explode, okay? okay. Exactly. And even in that scene where we saw that like the Duke finally professing his love for her in front of the queen and he was like oh we have a friendship I'm watching this and I'm like listen I've been with my husband for eight years I've been we've been together for eight years we've been married for four years yes we're friends yes I love him but there are days where he is not my best friend there are days where I absolutely cannot stand him and listen and that's just the honest to goodness truth you need more than just chemistry. You need more than love. You need more than, oh, we best friends. Y'all have to come to an underlying agreement that, hey, this is what I want out of life. This is what you want out of life. We want the same things. And we're going to work to make it happen and to accomplish this. And I feel like she would have had that with the prince. And love, you can learn to love somebody. Yeah. You can learn to love and grow to love. Yeah. But in all fairness, he was, I 100% agree with you. I do not disagree that she shouldn't, that she should not have just been with the prince. I mean, but I think about how many people we see in general that don't do what they're supposed to do, that they do the thing, you know, they're like, but my heart is saying this, not, you know, totally forgetting how deceitful the heart can be. Mm -hmm. um, and, and we don't, we don't ask our hearts and our minds to collaborate. And that's what we need. Like, okay, heart, you feel this way. Let's talk. <laughs> Let's come to some consensus on because I don't think it's not just a it's it's not just logical like marry the person who fits this box, right? But it's not just a chemistry. You need these two these two things need to collaborate to to make a decision. I think the prince would have been a better decision. But then you have this person who, you know, you were supposed to pretend for one another for you know you guys had a vested interest in pretending, and you you started develop she started developing feelings for him, but he started developing feelings for her too. And the way that he went about it, it wasn't like, you know what, 
I'm feeling this way, but I need to stick to my guns and this is what's happening. It was like, I'm your best friend and we're laughing, having a good time. And now I feel these feelings. And so now I'm going to just treat you like dirt and, you know, just, but then I'm also going to lightweight stalk you and be all up in your business and beat people up for you. And, and so it is that passive aggressiveness that I think that she, it kind of confused. So she's like, you think about how young she is, the idea of courtship where it's a very, you know, it, people are getting married and falling in love in all of a few months. That's insane. In our standards today, that's insane. Um, maybe not, you know, with online dating and things, but. I was going to uh, say, no, I know, I know I'm some people. <laughs> divorce court. I'm like, maybe not. So, <laughs> but it, the idea that he didn't just like, okay, let her go. And he didn't just let her choose the prince. He, he kept showing up. You know, it's just like, well, stay out of my yeah. house. You don't want me. Stop hanging out with my brother. Yeah. You can't have it, have it all. Um, especially when you're in a position of power, according to your title, your age, all these things where I, this is my first love feeling as a young woman. And so, I, I mean, but yeah, you're right. It's, at the point that you chose death over me, I'd be like, maybe. <laughs> I I just wish that her mom would have pushed more towards the prince because it's so funny like I didn't have an arranged marriage but I'm actually like I'm all for arranged marriage I think it's great I'm actually trying to arrange my son to be married to my neighbor's daughter because I know her parents I know how much money they make I know she can't come from you know good stuff I'm gonna have good grandkids but (laughs) no I'm serious but my husband, who's from Belarus, Eastern European, he's more like, I don't know, arranged marriage, like, that was a thing where he grew up, and he was like, maybe you should chill on that, like, let him find whoever he loves. All in all, it's a show, but I do think that when parents are arranging marriages, it's not just for, hey, are you going to be happy right now? It's, are you going to be stable in the long run? Are you going to have someone who can support you, especially in times like that back in the day? Um, It's not like women were doctors and lawyers, you know, they were solely depending on their husbands. And it was, is this going to be a good agreement on both sides? And I just think the prince would have just been the best. It just would have been great for me. I was so mad and my husband didn't get it initially <laughs> but I was so mad I, I just hated I hated the Duke you were mad that like, she chose the Duke is that what you're saying yes. Chris? Mm-hmm. yes I hated the Duke for like three or four episodes I think he I finally was like okay oh he's still fine but I was just <laughs> mad and I was just so angry with him because it's like he knew he knew what she wanted they're friends right they talked. he knew what she wanted why would you insist on in injecting yourself in the middle of it when you know that's you what dudes give do her what you exactly. want? You that's can't give her, you can't give it to someone. She wants babies. You don't want them. That's what dudes do. Why why would you like, do something like that? It's that if I can't have you, nobody else can. And that's what I and didn't it, like about the Duke. Yes, and it just upset me. It just upset yeah. me. Did try and to die was- because he knew. <laughs> he knew. I'm sorry. He was like, I'm gonna let your brother he shoot knew. me. So that I don't have to the Duke so had He had a very interesting way of going about things, a lot of very interesting behaviors and so extreme. Ways of it. 
Right. Very extreme ways of showing himself. And I think one that we need to talk about is how he was conveyed the fact that he couldn't have children um, to his wife. So what did you all think about his choice? Did it kind of match his uh, behavior all along? And then also, what did you think about her response once she found out that she was being deceived? I'm gonna just say this. He had the right one. He had he picked the right one because couldn't him. have been. This is this is why she couldn't have been a black woman. This is why she had to be a white woman because that you scene know. was pivotal. You cannot tell me you can't have kids and I find out you can have kids and you not dead. Like I would have killed him. Yeah, crash. <laughs> that that was that was what made me mad. That's what made me mad about him. That's why I hated him. Because you were playing this girl and she don't, you know, this child don't know nothing about no sex. She don't know no. They ain't talked to her about the birds and the bees. She don't know how this go. And you up here lying. It's lying. I'm mad all over again. I felt her when she went to her mom and was like, just why didn't you tell me? Like, right. I kind of, at the point that I'm, I'm married, you should have been like, and here are the mechanics. <laughs> right. Right. she was all like the fluttery feeling her. and the fluttery feeling and don't eat I would have been like so this goes here you know it's like when my mom talked talk to me about I didn't want to hear it but it was just kind of like oh that makes sense where that goes right. and, mm-hmm. and what you and, and it was also you know wrapped in what you should allow and all of that but mm-hmm. th- she wouldn't have been married to him for weeks doing it all over the castle and not understand how she still didn't understand how babies are made it was that blew my mind like all of that and you don't she didn't understand she just genuinely didn't understand how babies and I'm mad and I felt bad for her I felt bad but I also was mad at everybody on Facebook who was just like so enamored with the duke because of the sex I'm like this is why half of y'all ain't got no man now, can't keep a man, and y'all always pick the wrong man, because y'all are thinking about sex all the time. Listen, I get it. It's great. He's sexy. They have sex. We're over it. Like, let's get to the point where he is, like, I just feel like he didn't respect her. He didn't respect her enough to tell her the truth. Yeah, and then when she did finally find out, you know, how babies were made, and she took matters into her own hands, the fact that he got an attitude, like, you won't get mad at me? Well, that's actually part of the question I'm wondering for you all, because some people can argue that her response was um, a violation uh, at the point uh, of her husband, at the point where she uh, refused to stop. I've even had some friends say if the roles were reversed and it was the man who continued after the woman said, you know, was asking for stop, we would have saw it fall into the category of sexual harassment because marriage does not absolve though that of being those type of interactions so how do you feel about statements like that i mean in order i, I feel like that's the, what he get i don't know the illegalities legalities of it in like our modern society and i'm sure crystal may have more insight to that in terms of the legal aspect of it but if if i don't know right she's thinking when he's having orgasm she's thinking like it has something to do with his disease and why he can't have kids she has no mm-hmm. idea that he is is withdrawing so that he doesn't get her pregnant she doesn't understand that because you have told me you cannot father children like it's impossible Mm -hmm. when you tell me that you're making me think that if you could like she said i'm i'm feeling i have pity for you because i'm thinking like you want to raise children i see how you are with kids and i'm thinking like if Mm -hmm. you could give me this you would because that's what you told me so when i find out so i mean clearly 
communication is not their strong suit because she would have been like, right. hey, my mom told me that this is how sex works. Is that true? Is this what you're doing? Instead, she was like, let me test to see what my mom said was true. I'm going to, you know, take control. And it wasn't like he was like, get off me, you know, stop, stop. He was kind of like, you know, no, don't stop, like that kind of. And then he was just like, you know, after he's like, you know, what happened? So she was just like, oh, so you tried to play me. I, I see what you did there. And, mm-hmm. and so they were both being not communicating well and being deceitful, but he started. <laughs> he, started. <laughs> he did start it. It's the bed he, he made. He did start it. He should have just told yep. her, and I don't want you. to, and I can, but I don't want to, and this is why, because I got daddy issues. So she could have been like, okay, and that's actually, why she should have picked the prince. Because if she would have picked the prince, she would have. Well, he might have had his own issues. Listen. This one wouldn't have been mm-hmm. one of them. I tell you that much. She would have had them kids. She would have been in the palace living a happy life. Now, I'm not going to say the prince is perfect, but this is something that they both wanted. But bringing it back to the Duke, like I told, I had this discussion with my husband. This is so funny. At the end of the day, because my husband was like, well, he didn't lie. Yeah, he lied. He was like, he just omitted the truth. No, that's a lie. a lie. Don't play with me. That's a lie. And so I told my I husband, said. if you would have lied like that, you wouldn't be married to me. Exactly. So speaking of relationships, that's a that's a very good point. We had um, Lady Featherton, and she was very honest about her journey in marriage. We saw that she had a uh, interesting arrangement, for lack of better word, um, with her husband. When she was talking to Marina, and Marina asked, "How do you survive a loveless marriage?" She she said that you find other things that you learn to love. Um, What do you all think about her advice, especially considering the conversations we've been having about honesty, prearranged marriage, and everything not needing to be centered based upon um, chemistry and good sex? (laughs) I think she was 100% right. And I, I had this conversation with my grandmother who was married for over 40 years. Um, my grandpa wasn't her first choice (laughs) and she has always been vocal about that. Like he wasn't the love of my life. He wasn't my first choice. Like the love of my life passed away and he was there and she didn't have any other suitors, if you will. Um, and like I said, she grew to love him. She, she had children. She finds happiness and comfort and like love in her family and, it's been happening for decades where women and men, people are arranged to be married or find themselves together and they don't necessarily love each other at first, but they grow to love and they find other things to love. I think that's, in my opinion, it's normal because it's, I have it in my family. So I understood that. Um, I think if you're trying, if you're in a space where, uh, again, thinking of them where they're in a world where for women outside of a man, uh, a man is a large part of your identifier and your survival is, is through marriage. And, and even in terms of, you know, some of our grandparents, I get that. Uh, for me today, no, like, because I can be wildly successful by myself and where I can have autonomy in my relationships. And then, you know, I don't want to be with someone where then I can't, I can't have the other kinds of joys and experiences with other people that I might want to have because I'm 
confined to you. But I do believe that, you know, marriage isn't just about, and what we think of love is like this feeling like butterflies and things, you know, I like my boyfriend stopped giving me butterflies a long time ago. I mean, sometimes he, we still, and it doesn't mean that we don't love each other. But the other part in terms of the, you know, Mrs. Featherington, you know, with her husband is, it's like he wasn't trying. You know, not only was he not trying, but then he was spending all their money, gambling in a way. He was like so removed from the goings on with his family that it was kind of like, I guess when he had the facade that he was financially providing for the family, it was like, all right, well, for this, I will put up with all these other things with the cheating, with the gambling and all those other things. Um, I don't. I do believe that it's not, you're not always going to be like, oh my God, I'm still in love and like all of this. And you do have to often look to like the other things that a person brings to the relationship, um, whatever they they provide. I don't believe in being in loveless, like, right? Like it doesn't have to be overly romantic, but I don't believe in being in loveless situations. Like why? I could do that alone. But that's me speaking for me today. If it was back in the 1800s, I'd probably have to be like, okay, well, you know. Because we always have to keep he's paying the bills. Historical so. context, for sure. Yeah. I know. Carolina. He's the, <laughs> yeah, he's paying the bills and he's not abusing me, right? Sometimes the bar, I mean, nowadays the bar is low, but sometimes the bar, it's like uh-huh. here. So you're like, he pays the bills, he doesn't beat me. I have pretty dresses. I'm happy. You know, like, if, if and if that made her happy, then okay. I'm not here to say like, no, that's terrible. She should leave him and struggle and be a washerwoman. Like, no, girl, <laughs> be happy in your nice house. Right, in your nice house. Yeah, because you got to think like their biggest struggle was like who was going to propose to them and like what kind of life would they be or what kind of wife they would be. So once they bagged the suitor, yeah, whatever, you'll be fine. It seemed like it was a... What Lady um, Miss Featherton shared didn't seem like it was something that was just only in her household. If you all think about the scene um, where the women were there uh, drinking and playing games, it was a lot of women who were kind of laughing at her like, oh, you think you're going to stay in love and you're going to just it's going to be all butterflies and happy how it is now. And, And there were some other women. Some people could argue that it was condescending or negative, but others might argue that it was providing real life context of the evolution of what marriage and relationships actually go through. Um, And so I think that it was interesting to have both angles there. Um, And that kind of leads me into my question about uh, the conversation between um, Penelope and Marina, because they had some tension as young girls um, about... um, Luke, marrying Luke. She, one, was really in love. One saw him as a way out of her current situation and that he was nicer. And mean I'm wondering Colin? how you all saw, I'm sorry? You mean Colin? Colin. It's, Colin. I'm sorry. Colin. I'm wondering how you all saw um, that friendship playing out and her making the choice to spill the tea, if you will, about her pregnancy um, as a way, you know, how, how did you all see that? I won't lead into the question. Okay. I'm from Detroit, so I'm going to just start this with I'm from Detroit, okay? (laughs) So where I'm from, if you pregnant and you ain't got a baby daddy that's acceptable, you trying to find another baby daddy, trap somebody else. So from where I'm from, I know girls who have done this before, and I'm not saying, like, I would ever do it. But if I was Marina, 
I would have been trying to marry Colin too and trying to act like it was Colin's baby because that was her only option. And I'm mad at her cousin for spilling the tea and for ruining her happiness. Because guess what? He don't want to be... What'd you say? No, I said it was a bit of hateration in that. It was some hateration. It was definitely (laughs) hateration because Colin didn't want her. So why why couldn't she let Colin be happy with Marina and Marina be happy with Colin and them raise that baby? And when nobody even said nothing. Well, we don't know if Colin really likes old girl Penelope because she ain't ever told him how she felt. She just been having these secret feelings and not really expressing herself to him. So he may, he, I mean, I, I kind of got a vibe that he probably, you know, was maybe feeling her a little bit. I kind of peeked that a little bit throughout, like in the first, I think it was the first episode when they were talking about dancing and stuff. But she mad because Marina was, you know, moving forward and pushing up and making herself available to Colin and putting herself out there as opposed to her just kind of having these little feelings and not telling him. I definitely saw some some hateration on you. And um, I'm from LA and they do that out here too. These girls, they, <laughs> mm-hmm. they, do, they, that LA, they do it in Detroit. Um, <laughs> Carolyn, where are you currently living? Do they do it where you're from? <laughs> we want to know it's a universal thing. <laughs> the DNA test these days, so. <laughs> comes out of the wash you know he would have married her anyway if she told the truth that's what he said yeah yeah but it really spoke to the importance of honesty you know because you never really know um and i hear women say all the time like give me the choice of letting me uh, be honest with me and give me the choice of choosing if i want to be in this situation but i think we saw this really worse because we had the opportunity for a woman to be honest and see if he was going to be open to uh sticking this situation out which i know most of us naturally would have thought maybe not but we never we never allowed that to play out and see what he would have done and yeah. and like you said Clint Klein, he said he would have been open to yeah. it he yeah. was a, he was definitely he different said he would have he was a right. different he kind of guy but but his mom and his brother, they would have never let that happen. They wouldn't so have known. Even if Mm-mm. he would have gotten, he would have done what they were going to do, ran okay. away and married her and came back and said, that's my baby. Okay. But if she had told I him, I think he was that guy, but how was she supposed to know that? Because he's probably one in a million because the society she grew up in told her that guys don't do that. She was led to believe up until the very end that the man she was in love with, who she was actually pregnant by had, decided that the baby was her problem so she was already under you know the 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 idea that men don't do this and especially with you know uh lady featherton kind of guiding her in all these you know this dishonesty that this was dishonesty was the way to go for my very kind of for my survival um Although she she was tough, like when she took her to like the the slums or whatever, she was just like, uh, "I come from this. this I, don't you what, be. I don't know what makes you think like this is supposed to scare me, ma'am." Okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> she was kind of on that, but also she was like, "But really, I don't want to have to do that for my baby. Like, I don't want to subject my baby to this, um, this 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 life potentially." But I I think had Penelope not had feelings for Colin, I would have thought. I would have kind of been behind the uh, the kind of like putting them on blast and, and putting it in in the in the paper because everybody's business was out. 
But that was, you know, that was something that's very intimate that she knew the inside that she had known for forever and had Mm -hmm. only decided because he was about to, you know, she was about to run off with someone she had feelings for. So that's if she didn't like him and it was just like, you're not going to do this to my friend. I would have been behind her, but because she kind of did it on some like a hater type of thing, because she, yeah. someone she loved was was about to get married. That's when I was like, mm, okay, girl. Yeah, that's what that's what I'm like. Yeah. Um, What'd you say, Caroline? I there was some significance that a lot of people lost, missed. So um, you know when he said, "Let's go to Gretna Green." So Gretna Green has historical um, um, context, right? So. That was, so it's even a famous up to today. It's a place in Scotland that you will go to elope when you didn't have parental consent, all right? So people still elope there now because there was a marriage act in, in, in England that said, because a lot of people were doing that and that kind of, you know, out of wedlock or getting, you know, like getting married really quickly when you found out you were in a situation. So they used to, um, you didn't used to have to have consent. And so they put this act there that you had to be 21 with parental, um, 21 to be able to marry without parental consent. But if you went to Scotland, Gretna Green was the first town beyond the border. And then you would go to a couple of witnesses and say, you say over like the answer and then you were married, right? And so even like, even up to now, people go to Gretna Green to get married. but. It would have been interesting, and maybe that's why Penelope dropped it then, because whether or not it was his baby or not, once he went to Gretna Green and he said it, it would have been a done deal, right? Um, so that was one of the things that um, I found was really interesting, and they brought that in, the whole Gretna Green idea, and that's why he wanted to go there. But two, um, Marina was not consistent, because when her dead baby father's um, brother came to marry her, and he was decent, she was like, I can't marry you, right? So... She was a flip flopper, you know. She, she, um, <laughs> do you see what I mean? She yeah. was not consistent with her choices. She didn't want to marry an old guy because he was, you know, no horrible teeth and he was gross, right? She wanted to marry Colin because, you know, he would have been an opportunity. And then she had someone who knew the situation and was ready to legit- legitimize her and she didn't want it, right? So after a while, I just kind of, lost interest in her because she didn't make sense she had her way out many times and she messed it up (laughs) i think i get i get why she did that though because she it was like when she said no to george's brother it was because leading up to that you know she she, the whole time she had been holding out she didn't want to be with anybody else because she was holding out for george Mm-hmm. Then she, you know, she when she was made to believe that he had, you know, put her to the side. Then it was kind of like, oh dang, like what am I? Because she kept thinking like he's gonna come to me, he's gonna come back. He's gonna, when that was like, no, he's not gonna come back. And look at how men are, how they'll they'll deal with you. Now she's like, she got Colin, that blew up, and she tried to, you know, get rid of the baby. And she found out that her husband actually, or that her lover actually did love her, but he died. So I kind of get like in that, I don't want to marry your brother because you actually, that was her thing when she was crying, when she was telling uh, Daphne, thank you. She was like, he did love me. Like all that they made me, he loved me. And so, no, I don't want to marry your brother. But I mean, at the end she did. So I kind of get. I mean, you gotta, you gotta take what you can get. I'm I'm like, I like. 
Exactly. And I like what Caroline said, like, at the end of the day, like, he was a very, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy. Like, the brother was a very nice looking guy. He seemed to be really caring. He was going to take care of her and his nephew or niece. You gotta take that suitor girl, like in run. That's probably like because weird, though. it's because yeah. they didn't have those Sierra oh, Russell brother. Wilson prayers back then. Like it wasn't stepdaddies <laughs> everywhere. Like you gotta take what you can get. You with child, you need a husband. He gonna take you, and you are gonna live a happy Isn't life. Isn't that such a the sad end. way to exist, though? So that's yeah. I think that was her it, point. Like she was excited. Like as sad as that moment was when she found out that he actually loved her and that he didn't just try to abandon. Their, him, her and the child it was like that was enough and it wasn't until it was just like dang she did she was it wasn't until Mr. Featherton got murdered that it was like well dang you know and all their money got stolen this is about to be rough I'm not about to struggle with you guys because <laughs> <laughs> I have options uh y'all can struggle alone the saddest part is that Marina was the one who had all the op- like if the- that's the one who has yeah. the best chance yeah she did prior to, the, uh, her, to her pregnancy she definitely she definitely yeah. did a lot of options she was she was the black lady uh, <laughs> Bridgerton in a sense and as far as once she came into the picture everybody was turning heads like oh, oh who is cute. that she's cute she's she cute Lori Harvey <laughs> she was. <laughs> she was Lori Harvey. <laughs> Shout she out to Lori Harvey. She had a lot. <laughs> She's living her best life. So I know we started with um, talking about how Crystal says she t- saw this as um, typical Shondaland, and um, I know Leandria, you loved it for that piece. But something that I just want us to take a moment to talk about before we wrap up is. There have been arguments that this is typical in the sense that Shonda has an infatuation or fixation with interracial relationships. And so we only really saw an example of Black love being with the boxers family. How do you all feel about that criticism that's being argued not only in this film, but just overall? I think it's true. And I hate to admit it. But Chandra love a black woman and a white man or a white man and a black woman. And I'm speaking as the black woman who's married to a white man. Like my husband and I watch a lot of her shows and we're always like, dang, it's always a mixed couple in here. Interesting. But to me, it's just so cliche. And this is also speaking as the black woman who never thought she would marry a white man. Like I just so happened to fall in love with my husband. And then I was like, oh man, you're white. But anyway, that's a whole nother topic or a whole nother podcast. But I just think it's, it's, it's an infatuation. I do think that she has. And I think like it would be nice to see other couples um, on either of her shows that demonstrate Black love and like healthy Black love. Yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, no, she, she'll have a, a, a Black couple on there, but they don't last long. Or they're not focal. Uh, they're not focal characters. Yeah, and even if they do, you know, like the 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 boxer and his wife, like that's it. You know, we look at the other shows like Grey's Anatomy when Jackson and uh uh-huh. uh I can't think of her name. her name when they were together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't think of her name at all. But they were together for a minute, and then they last but a hot second and then when he was talking to the girl Vic from Station 19 that ain't last but a second so it's like it'd be there 
but it don't stay. It just don't don't stay too long. Um, it is typical Shonda because I was, you know, the drama, um, and then the the interracial relationships. You know, the uh, the instability of the most attractive people on the show was another. You know, like there's always something. You know what I'm saying? There's always something. Like the Bridgerton brothers are all, they're all handsome. All of them, but they have. <laughs> <laughs> I say handsome. I mean, they're no girl. Duke of Hastings, but they're I no mean, they're not right. ugly. They weren't, they also were no Lord uh, Burbrick. They weren't him either. Right. No. right. Okay, right. okay, I get you. They're, 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 hands, they're handsome for the time. They're handsome for the okay. time. But they all have some type there's some type of instability in them where like the oldest he's he's a hoe i mean <laughs> he's he has a problem with commitment let me just re, let me rephrase yeah. it he has a, a problem with commitment you know and then benedict he's insecure colin is young you know and so it's like the, the attractive people always have have something that is like a, a flaw, excuse me, a serious flaw with them. Even the women on the show, like Daphne, I think she is probably they did her, they did her right as kind of the most stable ish character on the on the show. Yeah, they they and... did her right in that sense, but it's typical. It's typical Shonda. I am I'm still mad about mad that she married the Duke. I feel like she should have been with the prince. I'm 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 gonna stick with that. My husband couldn't he didn't understand. Yes, he still don't understand why um I feel that way. Um because he was like, I don't get it. But I'm like, sir, you're not gonna understand when you're a woman and you want things and someone tells you, you know, they lying and literally making your life that much harder. It shouldn't have been that hard. It shouldn't have been that hard, but Typical Shonda fashion. It makes for good TV. She create right. She creates these these situations where we're like we mad, and we're like we it could all be so simple, but Shonda's writing makes it hard. You know? <laughs> yes, Crystal. Yes. I love it that. Be, it should be straightforward. It should be very straightforward. It but who's gonna watch that? You know what? We're not gonna be on, we're not gonna be talking about right. it here, right? <laughs> if if it's too like you know, and there was right. a level of predictability in that, right? Like as as wrong as it was, I could have mm-hmm. told you from I could have told you from the 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 picture when I turned on Netflix and I saw them that they were gonna end up together. There was I don't care who she had met. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> you could not tell me that. If that, especially when that when I saw they came with that that fake arrangement, I'm like, oh, they gonna fall in love. It it was very predictable storyline in that way. Which there's a part of us that yearns for that, I think, in 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 art. Like you want a level of predictability with splatterings of oh, what what. Which I think some of the other characters. But in terms of the the, I think that's part of that. And I could be mistaken. I think when I was reading Shonda's book, I think part of uh the interracial interactions mirrors part of her her life and and some of her romantic instances and she does do a lot of 
uh, art reflecting real life where she talked about like in her shows like Grey's Anatomy and things like that all people's babies and that they, she brings into the show will always be babies of color that's her like she talked about that with Grey's Anatomy which is why Derek and um and Meredith have their first babies Zola is a black baby uh -huh. she talked about that which actually mirrors part of Ooh, real life because yeah. in real life um Ellen Pompeo is married to a black man has you know mixed race children so I I get it I get it from an inclusive perspective but I do agree that I would like to see focal characters because in all her shows you have because you have plenty of white people coupled up and 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 being the focal point of the show right whether they're their situations be for the best or for the worst and I would like to see more of that in uh some of the black characters that are the primary characters in the show um but I want a lot of stuff <laughs> but I just want I just want her to like write and depict love stories that are not always fairy tales like I feel like a lot of times especially in in this show Bridgerton like it was such a fairy tale. And I'm like, that's not always the case. I don't know. Maybe I'm a little tainted because like I said, I got some crazy relatives and I got some crazy love stories in my family that it wasn't always fairy tales, but it worked out. But <laughs> I feel like that is, that's realistic. Like it ain't always rainbows and, and butterflies. It's not. Thank not and as we begin to wrap ourselves up, I just, as we, um, close out, I always like to ask my guests uh, about to leave some words that empower our community, but more so specifically, so much we've talked about as it relates to this story. And I'm wondering if there's anything, whether it's a character or a situation, what most empowers you from the story? Or what is your takeaway as we uh, wrap up this podcast? Well, Black my takeaway would be there's nothing new under the sun, especially when it comes to shenanigans that men and women would do. So, <laughs> so just as you are totally written off if you saw a willy before the altar, there was always a bad girl with a baron in the brothel. So <laughs> <laughs> whichever way works. <laughs> I love that. That part. <laughs> exactly. Leandria, what about you? What's your what what are, what are your final thoughts? Um, I guess my takeaway is just like the fact that we're sitting here critiquing a piece that was written by a black woman on a major, you know, network, well, such as Netflix, but she's also had several other amazing hit shows on major network television. It's just like we we have conquered and we are here to stay and we can do it. Um, in terms of like the actual characters in the show. Like I said, everything is not always a fairy tale. Sometimes you just need to make the practical decision with life and go. Like sometimes easy is good. She should have just been with the prince. She would have had a nice, easy life. That's a word, right? Sometimes easy is good. Danisha? I think my final thoughts are probably contrary to Leandria because I'm a hopeless romantic and I... I feel like my life in the things that I've overcome, even in love, I've proven like, you know, I, I can, I create my own destiny. I believe that. And, you know, it may make me the unicorn in the room, but that's fine. Then I choose to be a unicorn. And it's okay to be the unicorn. Crystal, what about you? Um, I, 
I think from the show, seeing the black faces, even if they weren't um, central to the show, seeing black royalty, just kind of, um, it definitely made me feel good. Seeing the black queen and seeing how real she was, you know, it, it, it was... I was like, all right, Black Queen, I see you with your side eyes and you're rolling under eyes and, you know, you dismissing people and, and, and it, it made me feel like, man, like, was Queen Charlotte really like that? Because she come in with some real, you know, some realness, but the royalty and seeing and just realizing, remembering that, you know, no matter how much money you have, the drama is there. You know what I'm saying? It's it's always going to be there. That life isn't life is what you make it. Life isn't going to be easy, and you know, and just but but keep going and keep living because it can be worth it in the end. You can get your Duke of Hastings, you know, or marry your lover's brother and have a great life, and, <laughs> you know, and, and 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 just live on. You know, it's it's. I just I I love the show, and I'm look. I am looking forward to seeing what else Bridgerton has to offer in the seasons to come. Well, thank you, ladies. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. It was truly a pleasure to get insight from each and every one of you. <laughs> thank you for having Absolutely. And to the rest of our listeners, make sure you continue to tune in weekly. We have new episodes that come out every single Wednesday. We're on your favorite podcast platforms. And until next time, Make sure you bloom into your best self. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the One Sun, Three Flowers podcast. Check out show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.onesun3flowers.com. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We want to connect with your tribe. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time. And remember to bloom into your best self.